Goes to the end zone. Oh, what a catch! Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama! Watch out for Mr. Robinson. This kid is going to be special and is already flashing. This is Chasing the Natty, a college football fantasy podcast. Alright everybody, welcome in. Xavier, you got here just in time, man. <laughs> well y'all didn't Adiós. see this now. But Xavier, I just see about we got about ten seconds left of the intro and Xavier just bolts off camera and I'm like, ah, what are we gonna do here? <laughs> All right, I was guys, really thirsty, well- I needed a water. No, nah, fair enough, water. fair enough. Alright, guys, welcome in. Welcome to episode seven of Chasing the Natty. Again, we're trying to make sure we get you guys as much content as we can now that we are both graduated, we have a bit more time on our hands. And so we are actually going to have two episodes coming out this week. This will be the first of two parts where we'll be running with our top 12 players at each position. And so today we are going to be covering quarterbacks and running backs. And we're also gonna go over some two pretty exciting announcements that we have lined up for you today. And then we're also going to line up some transfer news uh, before we get started with all that. So, yeah, Xavier, welcome in. It's a beautiful day. You can tell outside your window right now. Uh, It's getting hot as hell down here in Georgia. Yeah. So how are you doing today? Uh, Really good. Uh, Happy to be back. Um, Been in the gym lately, so kind of get back in that routine of, you know, being active. So I slept in a lot longer than I usually do, but we're up now. So there you go. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I've been trying to get onto a workout routine now that I'm outside of Capstone, outside of school and everything. I have a bit more time on my hands and I figure I spend that. It's kind of like a new, it's like a, instead of a New Year's resolution, it's kind of like a graduation resolution where yeah. you're like, you know what? I have a bit more time now. Let me actually work out like I know I'm supposed to have. Yeah. So yeah, like I said, we're going to first get some started with uh, just some small transfer portal news. And then we'll get into the beef of the show, which we'll be covering our top 12 quarterbacks and running backs. But first, I'm going to make some uh, pretty exciting announcements. The first announcement you see here, Chase Natty is offering its first ever product to be sold. And so this product will be the t- CFF 2021 ADP sheet. This sheet includes uh, data for, from as many mock drafts as I've been able to get my hands on for this year and it has combined them all into one sheet in which you will be able to see the average draft position of every player that has been drafted so far in a mock draft. So this will include quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends. It'll include um, just recently with this newest mock draft, it'll include defenses and going forward will also uh, be including defenses. It is split up into two sheets. Uh, the first sheet is going to be kind of how your typical ADP sheet will work. You will see everything broken down by round. You will see what players are going in what round. So round one, round two, round three. And then the second sheet where you're going to see a bit more of the data for each mock. But you're also going to see how AD, how the rankings are broken down by position. So you'll see which quarterback's going off the board first, which which one's going off second, third, fourth, fifth so on and so forth i believe if i can look at the adp sheet right now so far on the adp sheet we have 64 quarterbacks that have been drafted so far we have 111 running backs that have been drafted so far 
We have 127 wide receivers that have been drafted so far. We have 26 tight ends that have been drafted so far and 12 defenses that have been drafted so far. So you'll find data for all these different players. And this, um, all this information is starting off at $30. And you might be saying to yourself, Jared, $30 seems like kind of a lot. Don't worry, I got you. We are offering a 50% off if you are able to provide us two things. One, you need to provide us proof that you have followed us on Spotify and add us on Twitter. And then you also, um, in addition, or as well, if you can't do that, you can also just leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Again, send us a screenshot at CFFJared at, or excuse me, CFFJared at gmail.com. Just send an email there with screenshots of all of this. And then the other thing I need you to do is provide proof that you have subscribed to us on our YouTube channel. So again, I made that sound very confusing, so let me just try this again. I need two things from you. You need to provide proof that you're subscribed to our YouTube channel, so a screenshot of just showing that you're subscribed. And then you can do one of the following two options. You can either follow us on Spotify and add us on Twitter, screenshots of both of those. Or if you can't do that, you can just leave a review on Apple Podcasts and show us a screenshot you've done that and you will get your 50% off. The ADP sheet will be $15 instead of $30. So I think that's a fantastic deal for a tool that is going to help you so much in your drafts. It is able to show you, even if you're high on somebody, how long you could possibly wait on that somebody in order to draft them. If you want to try to get a better deal going down, who's going to be gone. Um, if you're kind of thinking like between two players of like, oh, I want, I want player A or player B, you can look at your ADP sheet and be like, okay, player B is not going to go on average for another two rounds, but player A is going to be gone if I don't take him now. So you know then to take player A. Again, I think it's a fantastic deal, invaluable information for you to have during your mock draft season. And so I absolutely think this is well worth your deal. Now, or one more thing with this is if you have mock drafts that you have done with your friends or if you you just have done that I've not been involved with and everything. I try to be as involved with as many mock drafts as I can be, but if I'm not involved with it, please send them to me. We want, I want this ADP sheet to be as accurate as possible. And the only way to do that is to include as many mock drafts as we can. I want this to be well worth your money. So please, if you have mock drafts you have done with your friends or outside of Twitter or anything like that, send them to me. I will include them in the ADP sheet. Now, on that same vein, I have a second announcement of another program that we are going to start with um with this announcement and that is mock draft monday for cff 2021 fantrax thankfully has opened up cff leagues for this upcoming year and thus i want to take advantage of that so every sunday night at 8 p.m i will be hosting a live draft on fantrax this will be typically a 16 round draft um you're probably going to see two quarterback two running back three wide receiver, one tight end, one flex, one DST, and six bench spots. That's kind of that's what I did on this last mock draft. If you follow me on Twitter, that, that's the format I did on this last mock draft. It's probably going to be the format I'm moving forward with these mock drafts in order to build up this ADP, I think, as fast as we can. And then, yeah. So what will happen is every Tuesday, I'm going to release on Twitter the link to this league. It'll be first-come, first-served basis. If you sign up for this please make sure you are available on sunday night at 8 p.m this will be a live draft so it'll be 45 seconds per pick it's not going to be a slow draft like you like please make sure you are there in order to make your picks um 
trying to think anything else here yeah this should like usually these drafts 16 rounds 12 people probably shouldn't take more than an hour hour and a half per draft and so i would just want to have this these drafts at least once per week so that we can build up this adp and also like i said before make that adp sheet that i am offering to you guys even more valuable as the season gets closer and closer so yeah those are the two really big announcements uh xavier is there anything else you wanted to add here no uh, i think you covered over everything all right so with those two in my opinion very exciting announcements out of the way let's go ahead and get into some transfer portal news all right so i'm gonna admit to y'all i heavily considered not including transfer portal news into this week's episodes mainly because it was kind of a slow week in the transfer portal however two names did kind of catch my eyes and i did feel like they deserved to be talked about tonight and so the first name i'm going to put up here is darwin barlow who is a running back from tcu who has announced that he has entered the transfer portal there's not been any indication as to where he is going yet so Xavier, um, before I say my piece, is there anything you want to say on Darwin Barlow? You think? Uh, not really. I I didn't uh I didn't have him rated this past season as a running back that I was uh, actively looking out for. But um, his backup, I know you're going to speak out uh a little bit more on uh is really the interesting story about this um with Zach Evans. So I'll let you speak on that. But nothing much about Darwin Barlow per se uh, as it pertains to him. Yeah, so Darwin Barlow is not a bad running back by any stretch of the imagination. Last year at TCU, he had 73 attempts for 428 yards, which is good for about 5.9, almost 6 yards per carry. He had four touchdowns uh, on the ground, nine receptions for 44 yards, and zero touchdowns through the air. So this is clearly a guy who can, on a Power 5 roster, can take the workload of a number one running back on a team which makes it all the more interesting as to why he's now transferring out he was the number one back on tcu last year the two backups behind him were zach evans and kendra miller both who had 54 attempts zach evans went for 415 yards which is good for 7.7 yards per attempt and four touchdowns kendra miller also had 54 attempts 388 yards and four touchdowns on the ground so you're seeing Again, clearly Barlow is the number one back. He's transferring out now. So to me, that kind of indi indicates that Zach Evans might be bumping up this depth chart faster than I personally thought he was going to this season. And I'll admit, I was not really on the Zach Evans bandwagon for this upcoming year. I saw Darwin Barlow and Kendra Miller both in the same class as Zach Evans be splitting carries with him last year. And I'm like, okay, if that's how it's going to be, I'm not going to have any part of Zach Evans. But now we see Barlow transferring out. I think evans might be taking that step up and might be the number one back coming in and so i think he's going to quickly bump up my rankings quite a bit and i'm going to see him as a very draftable asset this upcoming year what are your thoughts there Xavier? yeah i feel the exact same way um zach evans former five-star running back a lot of teams were pursuing him and then ultimately he ended up at tcu barring some uh off the field uh, issues but he was a great back in high school. Uh, he showed, you know, promise at TCU, even though in his first few games it didn't seem like much. But then uh, towards the end of the season, he started to come along and come into his own. So I'm really excited to see now that he's going to have uh, more, carry, uh, more carrying opportunities than, uh, you know, I, I will be ha happily aboard the Zach Evans hype train. Um, so 
Yeah, that's mainly my uh, piece on uh, TCU and their running back room for now, but I can't wait to see uh, for the future. So I, I wouldn't mind drafting Zach Evans, and he's definitely shut up my rankings as well, too. Of course, the biggest issue always going to be with Tennessee, or Tennessee, excuse me, TCU. The biggest, well, there's lots of issues with Tennessee. Um, the biggest issue with TCU in that running game is always going to be Max Duggan, who had the most amount of rushing carries last year with 116 attempts on that team. So he's always going to be limiting to those running back carries for those uh, for that running back room. But again, if Zach Evans is as talented as we think he is, he's obviously going to be a huge part of this offense. And out of the three backs last year, he did uh, have the highest yards per catch in terms of his receiving work. So he could easily be incorporated into that passing game if um, if Gary Patterson wants to. So the other name I wanted to kind of bring up here was TJ Finley quarterback at LSU who is now transferring to Auburn so last year TJ Finley did start a couple games for LSU he went 80 for 140 which is good for a completion percentage of 57.1 percent he had about 941 passing yards about five touchdowns and five interceptions and on the ground he had 29 rushing attempts for 31 yards and one touchdown so this to me was kind of an interesting transfer in my opinion, I, I, didn't, I wasn't surprised that TJ Finley transferred out. Like Clearly, Miles Brennan and Max Johnson were going to be the future at the LSU quarterback room. And TJ kind of read the, read the writing on the wall and said, all right, I need to go my own place. And I was expecting him to go somewhere where he thought he could start. That's what seemed to be what he was indicating. But then he transfers to Auburn, where Bo Nix has been the entrenched starter for two years now. And I thought it was kind of interesting. So to me, the only thing is that that makes this have any kind of sense is that he thinks that he can beat out Bo Nix for the starting job at Auburn. Now, granted, Bo Nix is not exactly the guy, kind of guy that lists, that lights the world on fire in terms of his uh, ability at Auburn, but also I feel like there was better places for TJ to go if he wanted to be that starting role. Xavier, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I I, I totally agree with you that I, I thought TJ would have gone somewhere uh, you know somewhere different. I know he was uh, looking around at other Power Five schools and. Auburn just wasn't one of those schools I had on the radar for uh, a landing spot for him to go. Um, I, I believe in TJ Finley. I think uh, he, he's not not by any uh, stretch a bad quarterback. I think he just needs the right opportunity. And he's only, I believe we discussed this earlier, I think he's only just a sophomore. So if Bo Nix, you know, there have been rumors that, hey, Bo Nix, you know, could, you know, have a breakout season this past season. You know, there have been some hyperboles of him being the next, you know, Joe Burrow going one of one in the NFL draft next year. I don't see that. I think that's just a joke in the community. But, I mean, Bo Nix, uh, very talented with his legs. He shows flashes, just not consistency. But uh, TJ Finley, I, I think it's going to be a little bit uh, more of a challenge for him to uh, just take that starting job from a two-year starter that's been there with a program that's been uh, used to it. But with the new coaching regime, you know, it, it does provide a little bit of opportunity for him to possibly – take that role better than if it was just still Gus Malzahn. That's true. And also, like you mentioned earlier, TJ is only a sophomore. This is likely Bo Nix's, or not likely, but this is possibly Bo Nix's last year at Auburn. If he has a good enough season, I could see him going off to the NFL for some reason. Um, and that gives TJ at least two years to kind of develop his own repertoire at Auburn. I, at least I can't think of any um, freshman QBs that have kind of come in that might challenge him for that starting role off the top of my head so maybe this was more of like a future 
um, idea for TJ Finley rather than just starting right away. Yeah, hopefully. So, yeah, that's, that's our transfer portal news of the day. Again, not, not too much happening this past week. I don't even really have any uh, honorable mentions really here to mention. So we'll go ahead and get into the meat of this episode, and we're going to go ahead and move on to our top 12 QBs of 2021 for CFF redraft leagues. Now, uh, what's going to happen here is that Xavier and I are going, Xavier and I each have our own top 12. We have some agreements and disagreements on where people are ranked who deserves to be in the top 12 and everything. Uh, the main thing is we're going to start off with Xavier's number one, and then we're going to move to whoever's the highest left on my board. Because sometimes Xavier's number one is not my number one, so we'll go Xavier's number one, then my number one. But if my number one's the same one as Xavier's number one, we'll go to my number two. I hope that makes sense. I'm explaining this well. Um, so we are going to start with Xavier's number one quarterback here. And Xavier, I found this very interesting. Uh, there seems to be a very huge consensus around who the number one quarterback is in CFF this upcoming year. But you went a different direction. Uh, we're going to have I'm going to need you to explain to me why Emory Jones out of Florida is your number one quarterback for CFF this upcoming year. <laughs> well, you see, uh, if Kyle Trask can, you know, uh, Kyle Trask can take that next step into a Florida offense, and Dan Mullen is the quarterback whispering god that we all know and love, then I Alrighty, don't see you why actually not. took this way seriously. <laughs> all right, y'all. Nah, Emory Jones is not Xavier's number one quarterback. No, that, not, I did, not by any. I know Xavier does not like Emory Jones for this upcoming year, and I just wanted to play a little joke on him. He he, yeah, he took like, that in stride. <laughs> Oh, no. I was ready to advocate for Emory Jones. I know there's some believers out there. You're going to have to make me a believer this season. But Fair enough, fair enough. Let's go with your real number one, and that's the number one everybody has, and that's Malik Willis. I also have him at number one. So, Xavier, do you want to talk about Malik Willis here? Or actually, before, yeah, you do, uh, I'm, um, before you do, I'm going to just name off his stats real quick from last year. So, last year, Malik Willis went 170 for uh, in 265 passing attempts for 2,000. Uh, 260 yards he had 20 passing touchdowns and six interceptions and here's his rushing numbers which is where his real value comes in he had 141 rushing attempts for 944 yards and 14 touchdowns so Xavier do you want to talk about Malik Willis here yeah uh like everybody's saying that we're coming into this year Malik Willis is the consensus number one pick just even outside of the quarterbacks just number one overall uh what he can do with his legs uh even his like his arm is not by any stretch like you know a weakness in his game. He's proven that he can throw the deep ball. He can you know get have a good decent completion percentage and get touchdowns with his arm and his legs. So just that dual threat ability alone, and then him being with the liberty and playing in the conference that he plays in. There, no conference. No, yeah, basically no conference <laughs> that he plays in. It, it's just uh, there's. There's just no reason for him not to be the number one pick but based on his talents alone. And I think that's why everybody has him so highly. I mean, I was doing, again, I was doing research and everything. And just the rushing numbers for Malik are insane. Like, I could not find a quarterback that was even remotely close to his rushing ability. He had, I saw plenty of people that had over 100 attempts. But here's the problem. None of them were close to a th almost 1,000 yards rushing. That's where Malik Willis's value is going to get. And with that rushing ability came 14 touchdowns. Now you can't count on touchdowns in an upcoming season because, you know, touchdowns, we like to pretend they're predictable, but more often than not, you can't really predict those. But you can predict attempts. You can predict 
uh, rushing ability, and Malik Willis has that, and he's pretty much the biggest surefire thing you could pick at number one and have an incredible, incredible uh, quarterback for your team this upcoming year. Yeah. So we'll go ahead. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of uh, Jalen Hurts when he was at Oklahoma, uh, just on a, you know, it's it's a one-man show instead of, you know, Jalen Hurts having all those weapons and also being Jalen Hurts and having the talent he has with his arm and his legs. But That's true. That's, I've, I've, I've mentioned this in the past where, like, there's nothing worse than when you have a very talented QB, but then you play a team that has that QB's wide receivers or their running back that they pass to on them, and they siphon points away from you because – the only way that they can get points or the, the way they're getting points is the same way you're getting points. And that's that QB. So, um, but with Malik Willis, you can't really do that. Cause there's not like a clear number one wide receiver on that team so far. And they're running back Joshua max good, but he's not like Malik Willis is going to outrush him probably this year again. So again, Malik Willis is a one man show. He's absolutely worth the fantasy hype this upcoming year. You have anything else before we move on or no, I'm ready to get to the number two. All right, let's get to the number two. So we're going to go with my number two, and it's the same number two that Xavier has, and that's Spencer Rattler. We both got Spencer Rattler at number two. So Spencer Rattler this past year at 214 completions out of 317 passing attempts. He had about 3,031 yards, 28 touchdowns, seven interceptions. On the ground, he had 81 attempts. Uh, for rushing 160 yards rushing and six touchdowns on the ground so i consider spencer rattler at the number two mostly because he is probably going to be on the number one offense this upcoming year oklahoma's offense year after year has proven to be a fantasy gold mine in terms of whoever's at that quarterback position especially if they're they have any kind of rushing ability which spencer rattler is not as good as jalen hurts or kyler murray in the rushing department but he still has that ability to escape the pocket and create plays and thus provide fantasy points there. I think he's going to be even better this year. This is his second year being the full-time starter. He's got plenty of weapons. He's got Marvin Mims. He's got Theo Weiss. A couple of guys transferred out, but, he, but even more talented freshmen kind of came in. Mario Williams. Uh, there's Mike another Woods. one. Mike Woods. Yeah, I, forgot. I, I can't believe I forgot about Mike Woods coming in from Arkansas. That's a completely unfair addition to that wide receiver room in my opinion and this doesn't even touch on the running back room that they have there they got um air gray in the back i would say eric gray coming in from tennessee as a receiving back is going to be incredible for them this year kennedy brooks while i'm fading him right now i still think he's an incredibly talented running back and it's going to be an absolute bruiser for them to use when they need him and even behind them they have uh, marcus major who's a great uh running back and then they would have had Seth McGowan, but uh, fortunately he decided to make some very not smart decisions uh, a couple months ago, and he is no longer with the team. But even still, it's Oklahoma. They're going to have plenty of guys in that backfield for them to find. So, yeah, Spencer Rattler, number two quarterback. Xavier, you have any more thoughts here? Uh, no, I, uh, I think you've highlighted everything. Oh, I think Lincoln Riley, if anybody is going to be the quarterback whisperer, it's Lincoln Riley. He's proven time after time that given the, uh, if he's given the talent at QB, he can maximize the output at what, whatever QB that he's uh, recruited. And I think Spencer Rattler is definitely that next guy in line. And then even behind him, uh, freshman Caleb Williams uh, looks impressive too. So the future for Oklahoma quarterbacks just looks bright uh, almost every year. So. I have no problems with putting Spencer Rattler at two based off, you know, 
even though there are other quarterbacks this past season may have better completion percentage, touchdowns, and yards, I'm expecting a big leap for Spencer Rattler, uh, given Oklahoma and you know their projections for next season about uh, their playoff aspirations and what they're planning on doing with the program. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly, and I would not be surprised if Spencer Rattler leaves after this year. He is good. he is getting first-round buzz, which is honestly warranted in my opinion. But I would not be surprised if Caleb Williams is one of the top fantasy quarterbacks just expected in for next year because people are just expect this offense to be that good year after year. So we'll go ahead and move on to Xavier's number three, who is also my number three. And that's Matt Corral out of Ole Miss. Xavier, you want to take over here and talk about why you love Matt Corral at number three? <laughs> yeah, uh, I like Matt Corral from the fantasy <laughs> aspect. Uh, he throws a lot of yards. Last year, he completed 70.9% of his yards through for 30, uh, 3,337 yards and had 29 touchdowns. Um, so by no stretch, Matt Corral is a very, very – like. He is a fantasy goldmine at quarterback in terms of yards, the offense that they're running, uh, and just the sheer amount of passes that he does. Like Ole Miss will have him throwing 30 to 50 attempts a game. I don't see like I feel like that's a good range of Matt Corral uh, for Matt Corral and Lane Kiffin. Um, you know, but you know, from an NFL and uh, a pure football guy, I don't like his turnovers, but I don't have to worry about that with fantasy because it's all about his production of what he does. You know offensively and in terms of the touchdowns and the yards that he's throwing. So I, I see no problem with him at three. I think he's going to be fine, even though he is losing Elijah Moore this season, his number one receiver. They have a lot of guys uh, returning and a lot of guys that are transferring in. You have Braylon Sanders, Jacor Pearson, uh, Mingo, Drummond. So, and you have uh, Ely in the backfield as well, too. So I, I think Ole Miss is going to be fine in terms of their offensive department and, yeah, I mean, you don't have to worry about their defense. Nobody's drafting their defense, so that's completely irrelevant to Matt Corral. So I'll let you, uh, if you have anything more to say about Matt Corral, I'll, I'll give it to you, Jerry. Yeah, one thing I'm surprised he didn't bring up, and honestly, this is a surprise. Like, I, I, I just forgot how good he is at rushing. He had 112 attempts last year for 506 yards. Now, that's no Malik Willis, but like, for a rushing QB and or for a QB that's already passing for 3000 yards or uh or over 300 times in the season already the fact that he's already getting that rushing ability as well and getting four touchdowns on the ground just shows he has that ability to pick up points in that department as well like this isn't just like a pure passing guy um he absolutely deserves the number 3 spot in my opinion uh, the weapons he'll have to deal with next year are going to be incredible i can't wait to see what he looks like with a year or two under Lane Kiffin and I wouldn't be surprised if he and Ole Miss uh, provide at least one or two upsets this upcoming season. I'm glad Georgia doesn't have to play them. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So if that's all we have to say on Matt Corral. I guess we'll go ahead and move on to our number four guy. Oh, yeah. And this is where things get interesting. <clears throat> not really, because we, uh, both, we both have the same number four. We're both Dustin Crumb. Oh, really? Crumb. Okay. There we go. So we're both Dustin Crumb this upcoming year. Last year, Dustin Crumb had a very limited sample size. Uh, he only played in four games, but in those four games, he passed 113 times for 83 completions, which is good for 73.5%. That's the highest completion percentage out of any of the top 12 QBs that any of us have. Uh, he passed for about 1,000 yards and or 1,181 yards. He scored 12 touchdowns and only two interceptions. 
On the ground, he had 44 attempts for 240 yards and four touchdowns. What I should have done is I should have actually I, let me let me do that let me do this real quick. So if I if I if I sat this out for 12 games rather than four, that means Dustin Crum was on pace to get 3,543 passing yards, 36 touchdowns, um, 132 rushing attempts for 720 yards, and he looked like he would probably gotten 12 touchdowns on the ground. Now, granted, he was playing against mostly Mac opponents. Actually, he was only playing against Mac opponents last year, so you can't entirely say that he will absolutely get that production in every single game. That's the only reason why I have him down here at four rather than where I originally had him at two. Looked at his schedule. He's got some tough games coming up this year, and he has not performed. I looked at his history. He's not performed well against Power 5 competition when it comes to Power 5 defenses. He has um, this upcoming year. He plays Texas A&M week one. I will not be starting Dustin Crump week one against Texas A&M. He plays... Um, Iowa, Iowa, which Iowa is going to be a good defense for them to face. Now, he's also playing Maryland, but I'm not scared of Maryland's defense. I probably would start him that week regardless. But those are two games in the first three weeks that I'm already, I won't be able to use Dustin Crumb. Now, after that, when he has a full max schedule, he's going to be incredible for you. He averaged 35 uh, fantasy points per game last year on typical sta scoring standard formats. Like Dustin Crumb is going to be fantastic when he's not playing a stronger competition. And I think he is absolutely going to be something, somebody you have to keep an eye on, even if he's not on your team, because somebody's going to draft him thinking that they're going to get a, a week one through three starter. They're going to get frustrated with him and they will probably drop him. You got to keep an eye out for him. If he gets dropped onto the waiver wire in your league and pick him up after those first three weeks, because he is going to be a monster from there on out. So Xavier, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, uh, I, I like Dustin Crum as well for all the reasons that you listed out. I was a little bit uh, wary of his schedule. Yeah, Texas A&M, obviously a great defense uh, across all conferences. And for a MAC opponent, that will probably be the worst uh, week one opponent for anybody this upcoming season. Um, I am kind of concerned about uh, the Iowa game as well. Uh, I am concerned a little bit more than Jared is about Maryland. I, I know Maryland, we don't view Maryland as a defensive program at all in the slightest, but Big Ten competition, I, I just think the talent that they have will probably still be able to uh, maybe shake up uh, Dustin Crum a little bit. And even with Buffalo, uh, uh, they're, uh, they're one, you know, a decent Mac opponent. Uh, even though he had a great game last season, you know, Buffalo is still uh, not a defense to scoff or a team to scoff at defensively in the Mac as well. So there, there's a few games out there that I could see Dustin Crum maybe not doing what you expect him to do. But for the rest of those games, yeah, I'm, I'm with Jared. I'm with you, Jared, all the way that he will probably have, you know, some very noteworthy games of 30 to 40 to 50 points, uh, fantasy points per game. So. Crum is an upside pick. It's as simple yeah. as that. Um, if you're in a best ball league, Dustin Crum should honestly be your QB too. Because the weeks that he will get points, he's going to get a lot of points. And I'm talking about a lot of points. But again, in CFF, you don't get the best ball treatment every single week. So if you're going to draft Dustin Crum, you have to know which weeks to play him. But again, he's still going to earn enough points this upcoming year in fantasy to where he's worth being a top four QB off the board for the weeks that he is going to be on. 
like the weeks that he's on are going to more than make up for the week those early weeks where he's going to might be a little bit less productive than he normally would be we could also be wrong he's like a fifth year guy he's probably played against tons of he's played against tons of defenses at this point he's learned his playbook to the point where he probably could never forget it if he wanted to and so he could be good enough to beat these defenses that he's facing again i'm not holding my breath on that but it is a possibility and if he is he's gonna and you can get points on those weeks dustin crumb might be the number one qb overall by the end of the year so th- that's my piece on dustin crumb xavier you have anything more before we move on to our number five no i'm ready to move on to five is this where we finally differ no we're both going Ooh. dj uyangalele uh out of clemson um I believe it is your turn to start. So, actually, let me read off his stats last year, and then I'll let you start. Let you start. So, last year he um, went. What was that? I was gonna say I, I got it. I, I can oh, you got this. it. All right, you go, you good. I got you, you stats. Know what? I'll take a break. I'll drink some water. Oh yeah. So last year, DJ Ui Angalelele. Jared always has to correct me because you you had an extra lay in there, but oh, you, you did man. well. It's, it's too many lays in there, but I will eat out of the potato chip bag, and I will have DJ at five. Um, Last year, he played – oh, he had 78 uh, completions for on 117 attempts, 66.7% completion, 914 yards. That's about 7.8 uh, average, and then he had five touchdowns and no interceptions. And we all remember uh, DJ playing in the game of uh, Notre Dame when Trevor Lawrence uh, had COVID for those two weeks, and also I believe he played in the – was that the Boston College game or the Pittsburgh yes, game? Yes, it was the Boston yeah. College. Yeah, the Boston College game where it kind of came down to the wire, but DJ showed his poise, showed that Clemson has a great uh, guy coming in this upcoming year. Uh, a lot of people love his size and how, you know, he looks like he's durable, has legs as well too, so he's mobile. So I'm excited to see what he does with his uh, with his legs and his rushing ability because I know he has it from what I've heard about him in high school and coming into Clemson. And what, from what we've seen, he seems like a poised passer. And with Justin Ross coming back from injury, that's going to be a great weapon for him. EJ Williams, uh, Fred Latson Jr., Joseph Ngata could have a re, uh, resurgence, even though he had a kind of disappointing season. Um, and probably some more freshmen will probably uh, come out of camp and maybe make their way onto the field this next season. But I think DJ is primed to have a, a good season. Clemson is still number one in the ACC. I, I, I don't see them, you know, losing the ACC championship or by any way struggling. So uh, I'm really excited to see what DJ does and just his, uh, his projections and what he can do for the future. Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And that's why I have him as five. Jared, what do you have to say about DJ? I mean, you touched on his rushing ability and we saw, we saw some flashes of that last year and last year he had 28 attempts for 60 yards and four touchdowns. Now 28 and 60, that's like two yards per carry and everything. So it's not the greatest in the world, but even so the fact that he got two touchdowns out of it, I think, shows that he, as only a freshman, he can grow from there and kind of hone in that ability. Can I give a hot take here? Yeah. DJ Uyangalele is going to be a better fantasy asset than Trevor Lawrence ever was. Ooh. I, I, uh, I, I wholeheartedly believe that, especially for this upcoming year. And I'll explain why. First of all, those 914 yards and five touchdowns that he got last year. 85% of that production came in those two games that he started. And so the fact is you're already looking at a guy who is averaging three to 400 yards passing in each game. 
Trevor Lawrence, you saw, uh, it, it looked like, or Trevor Lawrence, if, if, you, if you ever owned him, definitely had his weeks where he would only throw for like 200, 200, 250 yards. And then they would let the kind of run game kind of take over from there. However, that's where I think it differs this year. I don't trust the Clemson run game this year at all. Uh, Lynn J. Dixon, I'm avoiding in all drafts. No matter how far he falls in drafts this year, I'm not taking him. I don't, I don't know who that number one back at Clemson is going to be. And everything I've been hearing out of camp has been they are really, really scared about this running game, especially losing DeMarcus Bowman, who really looked like that next great Clemson running back after Travis Etienne. Right now, they have Lynn J. Dixon. Kobe Pace is a name that's kind of been popping up a little bit. Um, Will Shipley, their five-star. They just brought in this past year, but he's, from all available accounts, not ready to take over that bell cow role that Clemson needs. So I see them passing a whole lot more this year than they have in the past. And that's also just the way college football has been going. More and more teams are passing a lot more than, they've been th- than they have been in the past. So I think Clemson is going to be giving DJ more opportunities to throw the ball this year. On top of that, that run game not being as trustworthy. I do think DJ will be a better fantasy asset than Trevor Lawrence ever has been. What do you think? Uh, I could I could maybe agree if it was if we we're going based off of this past season. I think Trevor's first season will kind of be hard to uh, well first starting season when he took over for uh, Kelly Bryant uh, will be hard to replicate for DJ. So we'll we'll see. I mean I, I'm with you about Clemson's run game. You know not being as strong, so they won't be able to run the ball that much. To where you had games where Travis Etienne was running for maybe like 300 yards, getting two touchdowns, and there was no point for Trevor to really throw the ball that much i think that will definitely be the difference this year where dj will have more opportunities to throw the ball but at the same time uh i don't know i feel a little bit hesitant about clemson's wide receiver room a little bit where justin ross is coming back from a serious neck injury so you know good things are coming out of camp he's moving to i believe the slot position if i'm not mistaken or which so, moves Ngata and ladson out to the outside probably yeah the outside so i mean these guys showed flashes, but they don't give me – I'm not really confident in them for, you know, a reliable number one guy. Uh, like, if Justin Ross had been healthy the whole entire time, I'd be like, it's Justin Ross. No. Like, for what I saw his freshman year and I believe his sophomore year before he got injured, um, I was like, Justin Ross is going to be the next guy up. And if he shows me that coming off of injury, because, you know, usually coming off of injury, you have two type of players where they pick back up where they left off or sometimes they – struggle a little bit and it takes some time to come along or there could be the third option where they're just never the same. Mm-hmm. So I, I need that consistent, like, you know, got to look forward to like they had a freshman five star. That's just been, uh, you know, making noise, doing a lot of things, which I think they had in the spring game, but it got injured. If I, I forgot his name. Uh, I don't think he's a freshman. A uh, uh, Joe, a Joe is the name that kind of comes to mind out of that Clemson spring okay. game. But there was another guy I was probably thinking of as well, too. But yeah, Joe and Joe. So if DJ can find that consistent number one that can kind of, uh, you know, help him out in those stressful situations, then I would probably be more with you. But right now, I, I, I don't see it just yet. I fair think enough, DJ fair will, enough. You know, yeah, DJ came into a good for those that Notre Dame game and the Boston uh, or the <laughs> Boston College game. He had great receivers, great running backs. So he was just kind of primed to like not not to per se manage because he did. He did his he did his job managing that game well, but he also played at a very high level. So that is fair. That is fair. So we'll go ahead and move on to my number six. We are finally differing here. So my oh, number yeah. six is Sam Howell, 
quarterback out of North Carolina. And Xavier, you have Sam Howell at number eight. So this past year, Sam Howell passed 348 times for 237 completions, which is good for 68.1%. He passed for 3,586 yards and 30 touchdowns with seven interceptions. He had 92 rushing attempts for 146 yards and five touchdowns. So I drafted last year Sam Howell as one of my top QBs a lot in the leagues that I was in. And I cannot say it was a disappointment. However, it, fe- it kind of felt like he didn't take that next step. Now, there were several factors that kind of played into that. The biggest one being, of course, the UNC running game coming out of freaking nowhere to produce two of the probably the best running back tandem the sport has seen since Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb. Like Javante Williams and Michael Carter were a force to be reckoned with this past year, and now they're gone. Um, Sam Howell stays behind, but he's also missing his top two wide receivers in Daz Newsome and Deami Brown. But there, there's a couple of things that happened last year. A couple of stats here that I do want to point out to me that showed that Sam Howell did grow. It's just he wasn't given the opportunity to pass as much because of the fact that the running game was so strong this past year. I'll give you an example. Between 2019, his freshman year, and 2020, his sophomore year. In 2020, he passed for 348 times. In 2019, his freshman year, he passed for 422 times. So he had a lot more attempts to pass this year. However, he passed for almost the exact same amount. In his freshman year, he passed for 3,641 yards. In his sophomore year, he passed for 3,586 yards. So almost almost the exact same amount of yards, but with about 80 attempts, passing attempts less. So his average went up from about 8.6 yards per pass to 10.3 yards per pass. So... That to me was encouraging. On top of that, his completion percentage jumped up. He was passing at 61% his freshman year. He, he brought that up to 68% this past year. And so those are a lot of good signs to me that Sam Howell did improve last year. It's just mostly that the success of the running game was the reason why he disappointed. Again, I say that with a question mark because it doesn't feel like a disappointment. It's just it didn't feel like he took that next step, even though... As far as I can tell with the stats, he did. I think he's going to have a great year this upcoming year. He's got a couple of good receivers that I think he could work with, with Josh Downs, Joffrey Brown, who's actually the, I forget, he's the younger cousin or the younger brother of Deami Brown. So he's got some guys to work with. I think he's going to be great. Ty Chandler is going to provide a great receiving back for him to use as well. I don't think that running game is going to be quite as strong this year, so you're going to see Sam pass a little bit more than you have. And yeah. Sam Howell's my number six QB. Xavier, he's your number eight, so I have to ask you, why do you hate Sam Howell? Oh, okay. Well, there's a lot of things. Now I'm just playing. Um, yeah, I, I love Sam Howell as a quarterback, the talent. I, I love him a lot. I would have him if I was just ranking based off of talent, but for this upcoming year, I mean, I know you're still optimistic about the receivers and like you know losing one of the two best uh, running back tandems and more opportunities to throw, but I'm not just sold on that receiver room yet. Like, you know, I, I understand that Sam Howell has a talent to throw, uh, make the right throws, but I need to have confidence in the receivers to make the catch. 
And Josh Downs has proven that to me in the Texas A&M game and games before where he showed flashes, but that's just one guy compared to last season, even though Daz Newsom didn't show up until late, when he showed up, he showed up and did well. Then you had De'Ami Brown, which was another great guy that Sam Howell had. So you're losing all these weapons. Michael Carter, great receiving back out of the backfield as well, too. So, And then Ty Chandler coming from Tennessee. A lot of people are expecting him to do well. I expect him to do well, too, because I saw what he what he was doing behind Eric Gray, and I was like, I see the talent there, but I need to see it with a better sample size. So that's why I had to knock Sam down just a little bit. The other two guys, I believe I won't give them away, but – the other two guys, I was just like, their situations and what I've seen or, yeah, basically what I've seen in the situation that they're in, I had to put above Sam Howell. All right. Speaking of which, we'll go ahead and move on to your number six. We're going to try to pick up the pace here just a little bit. Um, you have Dylan Gabriel at number six. I have Dylan Gabriel at number nine. So I'll let you go ahead and speak on Dylan Gabriel here, and then I'll say my piece. Yeah. Uh, Dylan Gabriel led... Dylan Grapo is such a great quarterback. The, the man led the nation in touchdowns this past year, I believe. And he did that with um, having a great wide receiver room with Marlon Williams, Jalen Robinson, O'Keefe, um, got Trey Nixon, even though he didn't uh, show up at times uh, and then was injured and then came back. But the, ma- the man is really, really good for UCF. And with Gus Malzahn coming there, you know, the uh, – I know me and Jared, we talked about this previously. Uh, Gus Malzahn usually thrives with quarterbacks that have already established themselves instead of starting from uh, square run. So I, I like Gil- Dylan Gabriel a lot. Um, if I just take a look at his stats real quick, I, I know that he did – oh, man, I, I know he had a lot of yards, especially he from Marlon had- Williams. He had 3,500 yards and 32 touchdowns with only four interceptions. I, I – that's only like even though his completion percentage was in the 60s and there's other guys that are like higher 60 percent is nothing to scoff that and 32 touchdowns with only four interceptions says a lot the man throws for almost over 200 uh, yards a game it, it's not it there's even the game that he had against Memphis this past season where he threw for 600 yards which if you're if you're not thinking like there's only a few other quarterbacks this past season that have done something like that and I think KJ Costello did that for that one game where people thought he was going to going to be the next guy and he just end up wasn't but Dylan Gabriel shows that consistency of what he can do with his arm and I, I just I had to put him up there based off of what I've seen in the past even though his head coach is moving on I, I don't see his production dropping at all and with with the loss of Marlon Williams it is sad but he still has a lot of good receivers and a lot of people are really high on Jalen Robinson as well so I, I don't I, I don't see no reason to why you don't have him at six yeah, so my my kind of rebuttal to Dylan Gabriel, and I love Dylan Gabriel. I had him on a lot of fantasy teams this past year. And in my initial rankings after the year, I almost put him at number one uh, for this up, next upcoming year, but things have kind of changed since then, namely the fact that Gus Malzahn is now the head coach of UCF. And I agree with you 100% that when Malzahn is given a quarterback who has already been developed for him, he usually does really well with that quarterback. But here's the problem is that Gus Malzahn likes to run the ball a heck of a lot more than Josh Heupel did at UCF. So I do believe that not only are you going to see Dylan Gabriel get less passing attempts this year, but not only that, you're going to see a running game that's going to grow under Gus Malzahn, but also it's going to be such a tandem of running backs. He's got a bunch of good ones there. you got Bentavious Thompson. you got uh, Mark Anthony Richards. 
who are going to probably be splitting a ton of carries and everything. I don't know. I've never trusted Gus Malzahn's offenses for fantasy purposes, and I'm afraid that's going to leak into Dylan Gabriel's game this upcoming year just a little bit. Again, I still have Dylan Gabriel top 10 fantasy quarterback for this upcoming year. I expect him to be fantastic still because he's just that talented, and he has a ton of great receivers to work with. But at the end of the day, I had to knock him just a little bit down into the bottom half of the top 10. And I think that's kind of where he belongs. Uh, I, I'll, I'll rebut to the uh, running back, uh, uh, the warning back comment you made, because Ventavious Thompson, while he is primed to be the next guy up and uh, the other back that you named, I just don't see them as, you know, the backs that, can, uh, that Gus Malzahn can, you know, put his faith in to carry this UCF team to where he But that's the thing. That's the thing with Gus Malzahn. Gus Malzahn will find like one running back that on his team, doesn't matter how talented they are, he'll take one running back and run them into the freaking ground. And it, like, they'll, they'll be like, like they'll get, like they'll get, like it doesn't, like, like I said, it doesn't matter how talented that running back is. If he hands that ball off to that running back like 20, 30 times a game, and he's just throwing him at the line of scrimmage every single time. That's that's what he's that's what he's gonna do, regardless of how talented his QB might be behind him. And I think he's gonna do that with both Mark Anthony Richards and Bentavius Thompson this upcoming year. And I think he's gonna want to run the whole ball a heck of a lot more than UCF's been used to in the past. I don't know. That's just my two cents. Yeah, I think a lot of coaches are realizing that the the landscape of college football is changing, and you know maybe running the ball to, you know, establishing the run game. While it did work in theory for some times, and it still works today, uh, you know, if you have those prolific guys, but it's it's becoming more of a passer-friendly league and that you're seeing that translate over to the NFL to where you're going to have to be able to do a little bit of both. So hopefully I, I have faith that Gus Malzahn has had that realization playing the SEC so long and seeing other hopefully. programs develop. So, but yeah, I, I'll we'll move on to our next guys. Uh, I believe it's my turn for the seventh uh, QB. Uh, no, you oh, you just he... did Dylan Gabriel, oh, so it's now Gabriel. it's so now it's my number seven guy, and that's okay, going to be okay. Desmond Ritter, quarterback out mm-hmm. of the University of Cincinnati. You have Desmond Ritter down at number ten. Okay. Yeah, I'll admit this is one of the rankings where I'm a little bit hesitant on where I have him. I'll be honest; it's where I it's where he ended up, so I I'll stick with it. But it's kind of one of those where I'm like, the more and more I kind of think about it, I'm like, eh, am I really sold on this? This past year, Desmond Ritter threw 281 times, 186 completions. He threw for 2,296 yards for 19 touchdowns, so nothing super stellar. However, his value comes in his rushing ability. He had 98 rushing attempts for 592 yards and 12 touchdowns. So effectively, he is Malik willis light. Uh, you're getting both passing and rushing ability out of him, and he knows how to find the end zone when he is going to rush. So, I like Desmond Ritter a lot. He gave George all he could handle last year. He's clearly a very talented quarterback, in my opinion. And, uh, yeah, again, that's pretty much where it's at. He's he's Malik Willis light. Um, I think he's absolutely worth um, kind of centering your team as a rushing quarterback with your first overall pick. If Afterwards, you might want to... If you spend your first or your first quarterback pick on Desmond Ritter, I would recommend within that round, a round or two afterwards, taking a second quarterback in order to make up for any kind of slight inability Desmond Ritter might have as a top quarterback. 
But again, like Dustin Crum, Desmond Ritter is an extremely high upside QB. In those games where he is going to rush all over the field, he can get you upwards of 40, 50 points in a game. He absolutely has that ability, and I do think and in a best ball league, Desmond Ritter is worth all the picks that you can throw at him. So, yeah, Desmond Ritter is at my number seven. Xavier, what are you thinking here? Yeah, uh, he is essentially, I like the comparison to Malik willis Light. Um, I just have him a little bit lower because there's some other guys that I think their upside is a lot higher from where uh, the situation they're coming into. These are two freshman guys that we'll talk about in a minute, but uh, Desmond Ritter, by, by no... Uh, and no, no, for no reason, he's not a bad quarterback. He is a great top 10 quarterback candidate. If value comes in his legs. Um, you know, I, I like my quarterback that can do a little bit of both. Uh, he's not a bad passer in any regards as well, but his receivers don't really inspire me that much to where he's not getting, you know, maybe the three to 500 yard games, which, you know, you know, back then, maybe if you have told me like five years ago, there are quarterbacks that are getting like, you know, 500 games, maybe once or twice a season, I'd be like, that's amazing. That's unheard of. Now I'm kind of looking for those guys in these like high, uh, high powered offenses. Like, all right, you have all these weapons, you know, you're going to have to show me something like, so mm-hmm. that's, that's the reason I have them down at 10. I mean, I, I'm fine with them. If you're taking them like uh, above, maybe uh, a few other guys, maybe a few other guys that I'm about to mention soon, but I mean, cause he, he is a proven product that we have seen, but these other guys I'm expecting big things. Yeah, I think it's fair enough. Again, I'm not completely sold on my ranking. I, I like as I was kind of thinking about it, I might bump him down just a little bit because I, I realized as I was talking, I'm like, I'm not sold on this at all. But again, his upside is to me where he's worth taking at the number seven QB. We'll talk about your number seven QB now. And for you, that you actually have somebody I don't have in my top 12. Now he's right outside my top 12. But you have quarterback out of Ohio State, CJ Shroud. And yeah. do, do you mind if I say his stats real quick? Because these are hilarious. Yeah. So last year, CJ Shroud passed zero times for zero yards for a 0.0% completion percentage and had zero touchdowns. But he did have one rushing attempt for 48 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> so Xavier, talk about CJ Shroud for me. Yeah. Um... Ohio State just produces quarterbacks. Uh, he, he's a great guy, a five-star quarterback coming in. Uh, now they produce behind. quarterbacks. Oh, yeah, now they produce quarterbacks. They, they, they produce college-level quarterbacks, and maybe Fair. the NFL will see. But, you know, from going from Dwayne Haskins to Justin Fields to now the next guy up seems to be C.J. Stroud. With Ryan Day at the helm, I, I think they have a great uh, QB uh, great QB coach coaching up these young guys and making sure that they get to this max level because Ohio State's always in that uh, in that conversation of having, you know, the, one of the top quarterbacks. And C.J. Stroud, if we're looking at his situation right now, you have two of the, like, two maybe top 20, uh, two top 20 wide receivers this uh, upcoming year. Dude, I say two injuries. top almost five, dude. Like, that, like- yeah. Like it's, it's, I know a lot of people I had to put a, a decent range in there. Cause I know there's people that may have some guys higher than others. And, you know, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, they kind of get bumped down in that second round range, but those are two really good wide receivers that are like back to back. Oh, you're talking about fantasy wise. I thought you were talking about talent wise. Oh, yeah. I'm like talent wise. Oh, that might be two top, top five. That is a top. Then you have a lot of freshman wide receivers that are five stars just coming from everywhere. You have Marvin Harrison jr. I will repeat that again. Marvin Harrison had his son, and he's at Ohio State. 
Then you also have, uh, I believe, um, oh man, it's not Mario. Is it Mario Williams? Emeka Ibuka? Oh yeah, Emeka. uh, Mario Williams is the guy at Oklahoma. Oklahoma, but, and then he has Jackson Smith and Jigba, and you just have all this talent around you to where it would take a lot for him to not live up to his name and fail. And I'm like, I'm not expecting like Justin Fields' first season of 50 touchdowns and almost like over 3,000 yards, but if I can get something close to that, I, I think, you know, or it, it, it's possible that he can do that considering that the weapons that he has and the ability to do it with his legs. So CJ Stroud, I like the upside. I really like the upside. And I, I think it's more than likely it's going to happen that he will be that guy at Ohio State and will be able to produce at a high level. I agree with everything you said. The only reason why CJ Stroud is outside of my top 12 right now is the fact that he hasn't been officially named the starter at Ohio State. As soon as that happens, he's probably going to bump up here into my top 12. Uh, the spring game showed to me that he's extremely talented. He knows how to work with the, with the receivers, that broken wide receiver room that Ohio State has. He knows how to work with it. And I think he's going to have a fantastic year for this upcoming year. He clearly has the rushing ability, as is what one carry from last year showed. <laughs> um, I think he's going to be incredible for this upcoming year. I have him already. I, I have him at QB 13 right now. And so, yeah, as soon, as soon as he gets that designation of he is the number one guy, he's absolutely in my top 12. Um, let's see, if, like playing a little thought exercise here. If I, he would probably be number seven. He would be right behind Sam Howell, in my opinion. Mm, so, yeah, I'm in the same kind of, that's what I was yeah. thinking. Yeah, I think, I think you're kind of ranking him in the assumption that he already has that starting job. If, am I correct in yeah. that? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's fair. So we'll go ahead and move on to my next highest ranked guy. And that's quarterback out of Alabama, Bryce Young. Xavier, you have Bryce Young rated as your number nine quarterback. So we're right in the same range as each other. Yeah. Um, last year's stats are not anything to be blown away by. He had 22 passing attempts, 13 completions, 156 yards, one touchdown. He rushed nine times for negative 23 yards. So like not the not the most surprising thing in the world, but like or not the most inspirational thing in the world. However, we have to remember this was the number one overall recruit coming out of high school. This dude clearly has the pedigree behind him to take over college football at any moment. And I know a lot of people were talking about him and Mac Jones last year already, because they they looked at Mac Jones and they were just like, ah. Mac Jones, he's like a three-star guy. Bryce Young will take over for him. That didn't happen, and I think that's kind of pushing people's opinion of Bryce Young down. But I don't think that's necessarily fair. Mac Jones had been there for at least three, four years, learned the playbook and everything, knew how to work with the receivers. Clearly, he had almost a Heisman-caliber season last year if it weren't for the fact that one of his receivers got a a lot of those touchdowns and receptions. Mac Jones was probably looking like he'd be the Heisman winner last year. So I don't think it's entirely fair to say that, oh, Bryce Young didn't beat out Mac Jones last year. Mac Jones was a first-round quarterback, let's not forget. Whether he deserved to be or not is up to everybody else. But, like, he is a first-round quarterback. And I do think Bryce Young this upcoming year is going to take over college football with the wide-receiving talent that, ba- that Bama has. Um, let's not forget the last quarterback that was number one overall before Bryce Young was the now quarterback of the Jack- Jacksonville Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence, number one overall pick. 
And if he can live up even close to the talent that Trevor Lawrence has, he's going to be a great asset in fantasy, a great just overall talent for college football. So that's why I have him at number eight. Yeah, what are your thoughts, uh, Avery? Yeah, my, my thoughts are, I have similar thoughts. I may have a few reservations like a few other people. Like, um, Not maybe because of the reason that uh, Mac Jones continued to start for the rest of the season, because obviously I like uh, players, and I think Nick Saban also realized, I like players that are more familiar with the offense and know some, and Nick Saban doesn't recruit, you know, too many bad players. So Mac Jones obviously showed him some things that, you know, he could uh, use in the offense, and Sarkeesian had a great time with that and played to his strengths. Now, this will be very interesting this upcoming season with Bill O'Brien being, I believe, uh, off, is he offensive or defensive coordinator? I forgot. Offensive. But he's offensive coordinator. So we'll see how Bill O'Brien looks. You, Saban, uh, I never doubt a Saban hire, even though I really don't like Bill O'Brien as a, a coach at all. But we'll see how that works. Um, he has a lot of receivers to work with, a lot of freshman guys coming in. Uh, it w- I would have probably put him a little bit higher, say, if he had, you know, a Devontae Smith or Jalen Waddle coming back. But we don't have that. We have, I mean, John Mechie the third is a presum- uh, presumably, I think everybody has the consensus that he's going to be that number one guy. But John Mechie doesn't strike me as like, I, he, he, it's not it's not a knock on John Mechie because he is a great receiver, obviously top 10, but doesn't strike me as that prolific, you know, Jalen Water or Devontae Smith type of guy. It's not, or Jerry Judy or Henry Ruggs. Like, he, he's not like the speedster. He's not like the uh, the greatest route runner in the world, but he is a great receiver. But it's just, Bryce Young is coming in and building up with this Alabama offense as well. So they're all kind of on the same level in terms of uh, talent-wise and experience. Maybe Bryce Young a little bit less, but I think, I won't doubt an Alabama quarterback, especially with these past few uh, quarterback cycles that they've gone through with Jalen Hurts, Tua, Mack, and now Bryce Young being a number one quarterback in his uh, high school class. I, I don't see him being uh, being a failure in college football. So that's why I had him at nine. Uh, maybe not that high. I wasn't ready to put him above Sam Howell. Uh, also, he's playing in the SEC as well. So SEC defense does play a little factor into it. You know, he will be going against Texas A&M. I think he'll still be fine against them. Uh, Saban, it all comes down to what, you know, I, I trust Saban, what he his game plan is in terms of getting his team to get wins. And I think Bryce Young is a part of that. No, fair enough. All right, so we'll go ahead and move on to your number 11. Also my number 11, believe it or not. That's Carson Strong, quarterback out of Nevada. So Xavier, you want to give some stats and information about Mr. Strong here? Well, I'll start off by saying that Carson Strong is a, you know, uh, his his talent comes in his arm. It's not mainly his legs. Uh, so that not at all. It's not it's not mainly his legs. He, he had over 32 touchdowns this past season, four interceptions. So it was very close to Dylan Gabriel type numbers. It's that he's not that much of a rusher. But this past season, he threw for uh, he threw for over 413 attempts and had 248 completions for a 60% completion rate and threw for 3,500 yards, which was maybe a hundred yards less than he had the previous season, but he threw more touchdowns. So, Oh wait, I am looking at the wrong stats. My I was about to say, I'm looking at my stats. I'm like, like I don't know about this. <laughs> I was like, Oh man, I don't know why that just happened. I apologize. Uh, Whose yeah, stats were you reading? Strong had, I was looking at Dylan Gabriel, so I was like, this looks very similar. <laughs> no. 
disregard what I'm saying. But yeah, I was like, yeah, his uh, his talent is in his arm. Uh, he throws for you know a, a good amount each game. To where there there's games where he'll throw for 50 attempts, and there will be games where he throws for 25, but he'll still have touchdowns each game. And say, he, it'll be he averaged three oh, touch passing touchdowns per game last year, which is yeah. a great floor for you to have in a QB. Yeah, exactly. Uh, he had a 70% completion. Yeah, he's one of the best completion percentage quarterbacks that we have. You know, 2,800 yards. Uh, you know, it's not as great as like some of the other guys. That's why I kind of have him out of the top 10 because I'm expecting all these other guys to have maybe 3,000-yard seasons or do a little bit more than with their legs. But Carson Strong has a very, very loaded wide receiver room with Romeo Dobbs, um, Cole Turner, the number one tight end on a lot of people's boards. Uh, oh man, who's the second guy behind uh, uh, Romeo? We, Dobbs? I, I got, I got many, dude. You got Tony Horton, yeah. kind of exploded this past year. Elijah Cooks, who was injured Elijah for most Cooks. of last year. Uh, yeah. They just got um, Marquis Spiker, transfer four star transfer from Washington, just came yeah. to join that offense. It's a completely loaded like receiving core, and it's perfect for a guy who's as talented as Carson Strong is with his arm. Yeah, and very accurate as well, too. So Nevada is a team to look out for with Carson Strong at the helm. So that's why I had him at 11. Uh, it's just all these other guys I'm expecting to do a lot more. But Carson Strong, if this is your, uh, this is one of your first quarterbacks taken, I wouldn't blame you. Uh, I think, you know, even though he doesn't do a lot with his legs, what he does with his arm and the amount of talent that he has with his on his offense, even Toa Toa at running back is a pretty good, you know, culmination of the offense as well too to get things uh moving for him is just you know a testament to nevada and carson strong as well yeah no i i agree with everything you said and probably the only thing i'd add is fantasy strategy wise if you do grab carson strong you definitely do need to then target a rushing quarterback for your second yeah. quarterback because you don't want to be left behind and put yourself in a disadvantage with that now carson strong can get the same amount of points as a rushing quarterback but also you have to make sure you get at least that rushing upside with your second quarterback, I'd say, uh, in case Carson Strong does have a, kind of have a rougher day than you were expecting. So we'll move on from Carson Strong. We'll go ahead into my number 10 quarterback, who is Brennan Armstrong, quarterback out of Virginia. Xavier, you have Brennan Armstrong outside of your top 12. I believe you have him at number 15, if I remember yeah. correctly. Uh, um, I believe so. Yeah, I so, have 15. Yeah, last year, um, Brandon Armstrong threw 268 times for 157 completions, which is good for a 58.6 percentage completion. Completion, so not great. He threw for 2,117 yards, 18 touchdowns. However, his ability then comes from his rushing ability, where he had 126 attempts, third on the amount of QBs that we're talking about today. He, he rushed for 552 yards and four touchdowns. His value is going to come from that rushing ability. The fact that he gets 126 rushing attempts throughout the season is going to be a fantasy goldmine for you. Now, you're not going to always get touchdowns out of that. Like you can see here, you only got four rushing touchdowns. But if you can at least get those attempts, he can score on any play. He's very talented with his legs. He kind of reminds me... I'd say he's like a downgrade a little bit from Bryce Perkins, if you remember him from UAV from a couple years ago. But again, he kind of provides the same type of quarterback to where he definitely has a very high floor, in my opinion, because of the amount of carries that he'll get every single game. And thus, I do absolutely believe that he is a very safe QB1 
for your first QB if you then want to go for a higher upside guy with your second QB. So that's my argument with Brennan Armstrong. Xavier, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I'm a little bit down on Brennan Armstrong. I, I think, you know, there are better options available if you want to get a guy that are that's really strong at his legs. Um, I think, you know, DTR out of UCLA, I, I'd probably take over Brennan Armstrong as well, too. I know a lot of people may think otherwise, but I think, you know, it's just it's just the fact that he's, you know, I have to rely mostly on his legs. And even then, um, I just I'm not that inspired by his completion percentage or UV uh, Virginia's offense as much as well. I, I know Fair it's enough. probably his offense is basically the entire Virginia offense is predicated on Brandon Armstrong, and with him just you know basically running for his life and playing in the ACC, going against some of these tougher opponents, I'm kind of uninspired to have him. Like I, I'm fine with having him maybe as that third QB. Maybe I mean if people are hiring him and I'll let them take him. But mm -hmm. if I could get him at it, like maybe my QB three or four, I would be happy. But I just think that there's a lot of room for failure or just, you know, uh, just disappointment. So that's that's mainly what I have to say. No, I think that's I think that's entirely fair. Um, all right, we'll go ahead and move on to our our both of our number 12 quarterbacks. We have two different quarterbacks here. I'll go ahead and put them both on the board here. I have Derek King as my number 12 mm -hmm. QB and you have Grayson McCall out of Coastal Carolina out of, as your QB. I'll say my piece on Derek King. You say your piece on Grayson McCall, and then we'll move on to some running backs here. Yeah. So Derek King, I know a lot of people are a little down on him because of the ACL tear, and I I understand. However, everything I'm hearing sounds like he's rehabbing very well. He should be back for the first game of the season. Uh, he actually improved his completion percentage from his time at Houston. He's a lot better passer now. Uh, he passed for about 2,600 yards this past year for 23, 23 touchdowns, five interceptions. But again, just like with Brandon Armstrong, he's even, honestly, he might be even better than Brandon Armstrong, in my opinion, is the fact that he had 132, 130 attempts on the ground, had 538 yards out of that, and four touchdowns. Dude is electric. He can score on almost any play. And basically, the only thing you'd be battling against him with in the season is the possibility of injury. And if you can get past that, Derek King honestly deserves to be ranked higher than I have him here at 12. If, if it weren't for the injury, I'd probably have him. I'd probably have him once again, number seven behind Sam Howell. Sam Howell really kind of separates that tier for me in, uh, in terms of the top QBs, it turns out. So that's my piece on Derek King. Xavier, you want to talk a little bit about Grayson McCall? Yeah, Grayson McCall came out of left field for me. A freshman coming in in Coastal Carolina. Uh, Coastal Carolina came out of left field for a lot of people this season. Um, nobody really expected them to do much, and all season long they proved the doubters wrong, and they got their bowl game that they wanted. Uh, they played well all season. Grayson McCall at the helm under center was great. Uh, I like his value with his arm and his leg as well, and I just like the upside of him being a freshman having, you know, a lot of his weapons come back, like Javon Healy, Isaiah Likely. Um, now his running back, I uh, believe, is uh, C.J. Marable left uh, to go on to the draft, and then now he has to have backups of, oh, man. Um, Reese White. Backups, but Reese, right, uh, Reese White. So that's another great back. So I like Coastal Carolina's offense and all, and I like uh, Grayson McCall at the helm, and I think he's only going to get better because – it, it, it takes a lot for a quarterback to regress and coming off a season like that and keeping the same coach and having that consistency. I only see just, you know, Grayson McCall for his stock to keep on going up. 
I also like the Deer King pick as well. I drafted Deer King last year. The ACL thing was just a little bit of my hesitation of like, I, I like you for your uh, your rushing ability, and I feel like you're going to be kind of limited in terms of like how much you're going to rush. But I, I do love Deer King's arm. But now that, I have, that there's that restriction of your legs, I'm just like, uh, you fell out of my top uh, 12, but you're still in my top 20. So, Yeah, um, I have to admit to you that you putting Grayson McCall in your top 12 kind of surprised me a little bit, and it kind of made me pause a little bit and be like, do I need to reconsider this guy? And so I went back and researched him, and I originally had McCall rated as my 17th quarterback for this upcoming mm. year. However, when you got me to look again, I believe I now have him as my QB um, 14, I believe he is now. Ooh, I, I, I ranked him. I, 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 I moved him up a little bit, mostly because I was just like, oh, there's no way that Coastal Carolina is going to have the success that they had this past year. Then I looked at their schedule. Their schedule is so good for Coastal Carolina. Oh, yeah. So I was like, you know what? I got to bump them up just a little bit. They're probably going to have some of the same success they had this past year. I think they're going to be a very good team again this year. So with all that being said, let's go ahead and move on to running backs. We are taking a lot of time here, but you know, I think we're having good discussions, so we're just going to keep going with oh, yeah. it. We'll probably go a little so, bit faster with this one. That's fine. So I'll go ahead. You started off the QBs. I'll start off the, I'll start off the running backs. And so what we're going to do here is I'm going to start off with my number one running back for this upcoming year, and that's Brees Hall out of Iowa State, who you have as your number two. So mm-hmm. you and I differ on who the number one running back this upcoming year is, and I'm sure you'll get your piece. The Brees Hall yeah. this past year got 279 rushing attempts for 1,500 yards and seven, or 1,572 yards and 21 touchdowns. I believe he led the FBS in the amount of rushing yards he had this past season, as well as I believe the number of attempts that he had as well. Um, his receiving work was also pretty great as well. He had 23 receptions for 180 yards and two touchdowns, so he clearly was getting work in that regard. Brees Hall, everything's coming back for this Iowa State offense. I see no reason as to why they should change anything up. And Brees Hall, I believe, is still going to be that workhorse back going through this year. Even their backup got drafted by the Vikings in the fourth round this year. So I believe Brees Hall is going to be a phenomenal back this upcoming year. He's just a big volume guy. I love what he can do. And so that's my piece on Brees Hall. So Xavier, I have to ask you, do you have Brees Hall at number two because you're lesser on Brees Hall than I am? Or is it more on who you have at number one is just so good in your opinion? It's who I have at number one based off of the talent and the new uh, the new coach that he has. And just Alrighty. the upside. Well, we'll go ahead and move on then. Do you have anything you want to say on Brees Hall, or do you want to go ahead and move on to your number one guy? Uh, I'll just say he's a touchdown machine. He he gets his yard. He gets a uh, hundred yards a game. He's pretty consistent. I would have had him at number one. Uh, I really, really had to think about it, but I, I like the upside of this other guy. All right, so we'll go with your number one and my number three, and that is <laughs> Bijan Robinson for Texas. Again, I have a number three, yes. so I'll let you say your piece, and then I'll say my piece. I'm saying this now. I I think Steve Sarkeesian is an offensive guru, and I think he will maximize the play of any offensive weapon, the best offensive weapon he has on the team, and I think that is B. John Robinson. Like, Tom Herman did not do a good job of managing B. John Robinson or that Texas coaching staff when he was there, 
And Bijan Robinson is a, a great bell cow role and also a great back out of the um, a, a great pass catcher out of the back uh, backfield as well. This past season, you know, he had 86 attempts, 703 yards, and four touchdowns. Uh, but he also he had 15 receptions for 196 yards and two touchdowns. So it just shows. And then in his final uh, two games, he had over 100 yards. The Kansas State game, he had three touchdowns, and he had a long of 75. So it was just enough for, like, I know that you have the talent. It's just that, you know, the coaching staff and the offense is holding you back. And when they finally made that decision to fire Tom Herman and they got Steve Sarkeesian and what I saw him do with Alabama's offense and what, what Najee Harris did, I was like, that. I think Bijan can have that sort of success as well. I'm not saying he is Najee Harris, but I, I think their talent level in terms of rushing and catching out of the backfield is pretty similar. And I think it will maximize, you know, maybe not as many touchdowns as Brees Hall, but I think a lot more yards, just all-purpose yards, Bijan will be the leader of the nation. Yeah, to be clear, I love Bijan Robinson. I, 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 oh, oh no, I have him at number three. No, I love Bijan Robinson. I think he's clearly going to have huge upside this upcoming year. And I'm, I'm the guy who's all about who I can get high floors on. I'm not really much of the upside guy usually when I draft and everything, but I can ignore the upside that Bijan Robinson can bring this upcoming year. That's why I have, I have him at number three. However, I couldn't put him over my one and two mainly because I just haven't seen him become that bell cow yet. And I haven't seen him go through an entire season of wear and tear that will happen to him when he is getting the amount of carries that you will expect him to get as that main running back. I need to see whether or not he continues that production throughout the year or if he possibly is a guy that's injury prone or if he's a guy that could be, could be losing production as the year goes on because he's just been beaten up so much throughout the year. Again, that's not a huge, that's not a huge problem because again, I clearly still have him at number three. But I also don't know what the volume's going to look like yet. He had eighty, he had eighty six rushes this past year. Now again, he was a freshman. He was slowly getting to the system and everything. But I don't know what that full year is going to look like. Meanwhile, I have a guy like Brees Hall who I know is probably going to get around two hundred and eighty carries for this season, like he did last year. And we'll talk about my number two guy here in a second, whose volume this past year was absolutely insane and if they continue that at all like if, if he's even close to the upside he might even be better than Brees Hall in terms of just a pure fantasy asset so if you if you're said your piece on Bijan I want to talk about this next guy all right you should you you're nodding your head at me we'll move on so I'm going to move on to my number two guy and that's Muhammad Ibrahim out of Minnesota I drafted him in our latest mock draft and I I drafted him. I knew he was one of the top backs and everything. I knew he was one of my top backs. But then I went back and I, I wanted to check something. Muhammad Ibrahim rushed for 202 times this past year for about 1,000 yards, or 1,076 yards, 15 touchdowns. And I'm like, that's a crazy number for a regular season. But then I remembered he only played seven games this past year. And then I did, I did, some, I did some math. Mohamed Ibrahim, if he played 12 games this past year, was on pace to have 345 carries. You want to talk about volume? This man is it. This man is the definition of the highest floor you could possibly get. And again, that 15 touchdowns is insane. Had 
had he played a full season, let's see, that would have been twenty. That would have been twenty six touchdowns for the year, which would have been great. But even still, three hundred forty five carries. That's an instant RB one right there, if not a top four running back immediately. So th- to me, this dude is almost a can't miss prospect. Regardless of whether or not he gets the touchdowns or not, he's going to get you over 100 yards a game, if not 150 yards, just based on the number of carries he's getting per game. Dude is absolutely insane, and I think he's absolutely worth the high draft pick. I would draft him over Bijan just because you want to talk about high upside with Bijan. Mohamed Ibrahim is the highest four you could possibly get, and his upside can even just grow from there. So that's my piece on Mo Ibrahim. So, Xavier, what are your thoughts here? Yeah, I, I love Muhammad Ibrahim. I, I, I'm with you. I was like, when I found out he played seven games and still had the season that he had, I was like, I, I contemplated this. The top three is hard because you can go either way, and I don't see you being, you know, having regrets. You're going to have success either way. But I, I like I like, I like, like my backs, you know, as, as we've done this fantasy thing for a few years now, I like my backs to be a little bit more, you know, versatile in what they do and Muhammad Ibrahim is even though he is a pure rusher and pure rusher a pure rusher now he doesn't get that many he doesn't he doesn't catch out of the backfield as a high rate I'm not mistaken I'm looking at it now he had had eight receptions for 56 yards last year eight receptions for 56 yards and that's not saying that he can't do it but it's mostly what's the playbook has him doing is just running and then taking those carries so that's why I had him knocked down at three because I like the other upside, the upside of the other two guys of what they can do uh, with their versatility. But if if Muhammad Ibrahim falls to me and the other two guys are gone, or if I just decide one day, you know what, from what I've seen last season of those seven games sample size, and if I extrapolate to what a full season would look like from Muhammad Ibrahim, I, I would still, like I said, I would have no regrets of drafting him, and I would be very happy with the pick. Yeah, no, and the, the other thing to me with Muhammad Ibrahim, even though he's a pure rusher, it seems like he's game script proof. Minnesota was behind a lot last year. Like, they were not a good team in terms of be, being out in the lead. They were constantly behind in games, but they still handed the ball off to Muhammad Ibrahim. Usually you see teams, like, go to the pass a little bit more in those scenarios and everything, but again, they just kept handing it off to this guy. And they kept getting, like, and he would go and he would get them points. It worked. So I think he's an extremely talented back in that regard. And again, to me, he's almost a can't-miss prospect. Along Again, I agree with you 100%. These top three are in a tier of their own. These top three running backs are almost just complete can't-miss prospects. If they fall to you in the first round of the draft, you have to take them over any quarterback, over any wide receiver. These, will, these three will anchor your team down this entire upcoming year. So... With that being said, I believe I just finished up with Mo Ibrahim, so now it's your turn, Xavier. You have a back at number four that I actually have down at my running back 10. We kind of differ big on this one, but you have Tank Bigsby as your number four running back for this upcoming year. I have Tank Bigsby as my running back 10, so big difference here, but I'll let you say your piece, and then I'll say mine. Yeah, I'll say this. Auburn is... it's. There's nothing left at Auburn. Uh, Seth Williams, Anthony Schwartz are gone. Bo Nix is not the greatest, you know, quarterback in the world. And Tank's Bigsby, Tank Bigsby is that one constant of, you know, you can rely on the run game and Tank Bigsby will do his job. He had an impressive, like he didn't start off with an impressive freshman season. Well, I, I saw it in him when I drafted him in our draft uh, last year, but then it was maybe about like seven games and I was like, maybe he's not producing the way I thought. 
and I dropped them, and then you picked them up. <laughs> yeah, them. I did. And I, yeah, I, I did. Brought, and I was like, I saw it in him. I just didn't. I, I had paper hands as like, you know, those people on uh, in r slash Wall Street or, you know, those um, those stockholders and stock traders. But Texas Bigsby is going to the moon of but the amount of production he's about to receive this season, because I do not have faith in Auburn's pass game. Elijah Canyon is probably the only one of any like uh, concern of me taking away any type of production from Tanks Bigsby. And that's not even going to be that by that much. I expect Tank to be one of the best backs in the nation. And I like the upside there. And it, I can understand having him at, at 10 because there are some backs or, or proven guys that are coming back for their uh, sophomore, junior, or senior season that have done a lot more than Tank. But Tank has the talent to be one of those top four or five guys. So that's why I had him up so high. And I think a lot of people in the community as well do too. Yeah, I think the Tank is going to be one of those guys that's going to vary wildly from ranking to ranking. Like, um, like you said, he didn't have a full year this past year. Uh, it wasn't really. Too, it was more towards the second half of the season where you really started to see him take over in that offense a little bit more. Um, one thing that Tank Bigsby does have that a lot of these other guys don't have is the fact that he, he's involved in the return game, so you're likely to get some points off of that if he ever scores a touchdown. Um, I like Tank a lot. I wanted him at Georgia. I know we were recruiting him hard. Uh, unfortunately, we kind of made a mistake on that end. We went after Zach Evans instead of him. He went off to Auburn, and then we didn't even get Zach Evans, so it was kind of a mess up for there. And clearly, we're missing out. Like again, dude's very electric, very, uh, very physical back. I like, I love to watch him play. Uh, he's got great hands in the receiving game. Again, like you kind of touched on before, and it's just me as a person where I like to see proven guys. And Tank Bigsby is good. I like him a lot. There's a reason why I have him in my top 12 running backs. My problem is I just haven't seen the full picture yet. And with some of these other guys, I believe I have the full picture going forward into the season. So I will, I will say this. I, I, I may, there is a 1% probability that I put him in my top five because of his name alone. He probably has one of the best. <laughs> like, you like if you're telling me I have a running back that is named Tank Bigsby, I want him on my team, no matter how bad he was going to be. I was like, you, you have no other option but to like succeed. Your parents. Uh, yeah, you're hurt. right. You're right. Maybe I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, you're right. I'm bumping him up. <laughs> I'm bumping up. You've convinced me. All righty. We'll go ahead and move on to my number four running back here. And to me, we're talking about proven guys here for me. And to me, Sincere McCormick is the next best back as a proven back this upcoming year. Let's see, you have him ranked down at number eight. Xavier, you're breaking my heart on that one. Eight? Uh, so last year, Sincere McCormick, and I will, I will say this number very slowly, rushed 249 times. That is a... a um, that in a technical term, that is a crap load of carries. I can't curse because I want this to be a family-friendly podcast, but you know what I was going for there. That is a crap ton of carries this man has. He rushed for 1,467 yards and 11 touchdowns this past year. Again, touchdowns, could it would be desirable if they could go up a little bit. I know he got siphoned a lot by Frank Harris, the quarterback there at UTSA. So if he could just up that touchdown production he would be in that same tier to me as Bijan john robinson mohammed ibrahim Brees hall dude is electric i love watching him run he also is involved in the receiving game he had 20 receptions for 131 yards no touchdowns out of that again if he could just up the amount of touchdowns 
he would be an instant top three back for me. I love watching Cesar McCormick, but the important thing is that he gets the volume. The volume is there for him, and to me, absolutely is worth a top four running back position for this upcoming year. So Xavier, what are your thoughts on Sincere McCormick and why do you have him so dang low? Uh, it's the touchdowns thing. It has to be the touchdown thing. It's, I understand that he's getting the volume at what he's carrying, but I need, I, I need my touchdown points. And I, I just, Frank Harris, like he's coming back for another season. Um, I know UTSA, it's basically just, to see, it's, it's the sincere show, but yeah, I, I need to see more out of the touchdowns. That's why I have them so low. The other guys I have higher, I know, are either going to have more touchdowns this upcoming season, or either coming in positions where there's going to be a lot of va- like a lot of vacated uh, carries and uh, touchdown attempts. So I had to bump Sincere down mainly because of that. Because I'm like, look, you can't keep on teasing me like this. Like I love what you're doing, and I'm glad that you're getting uh, you know the the amount of carries and yards, but. Uh, I have to see you get in the end zone. So that's why I had to bump him down just a, a few. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But again, to me, the volume is going to be the important thing at the end of the day. Because again, like I said before, you can't predict touchdowns, but you can predict carries. And I see no reason why Sincere McCormick should be any less, if not more, than what he had last year. And I think that's going to be more than enough to provide a RB1 for your team. So we'll go ahead and move on to your number five uh running back here and that is kyron williams out of notre dame so xavier what are your thoughts here and i'm gonna put mine up i have him at number seven yeah uh at first i did not know who kyron williams was at the beginning of the season i was just expecting notre dame to have ian book and um honestly i think it was uh oh man i'm forgetting his name the wide receiver that he had that was pretty good it wasn't um it's not Sam Pickney, that's Georgia State, but he had a receiver that was pretty good for him. And I was like, no, Notre Dame's not going to really do much. I really know ever hear notable players out of Notre Dame that are really doing anything spectacular for me. Not even Ian Book was doing enough for me to have that type of value that I would have drafted or picked him up for. But Kyron Williams came onto the scene and as a freshman lit up the college football landscape. Uh, this dude had 211 attempts in his freshman season, 13 touchdowns on the ground and over a thousand yards and receiving yards. He had 35 receptions and 313 yards and one touchdown. So the man can do it all. And the fact that uh, Notre Dame is in this sort of post Ian book uh, post, I, I, I don't even know what to say. Like I, I don't expect Notre Dame to be, you know, any type of, and not to say like college football playoff relevance in a while, but like, you know, they're always kind of in the mix. I don't think in these next few years, unless they get a really good quarterback and maybe some more receivers, they won't. But I, th- I believe Kyron Williams will still keep them relevant in terms of what he does on the field. He does it all, basically. And I expect them him to get even more carries this next upcoming season and to get even more touchdowns. And I know it's hard to project touchdowns, but when the man is literally catching, running, doing everything, if he could throw the ball, I'm pretty sure he probably would, would do that too. <laughs> so... I'm really high on Kyron Williams. I love what I saw. I even love what I saw in the Alabama game, even if they were getting blown out. Kyron Williams still proved to be that diamond in the rough. So that's why I have Kyron Williams at five. I agree with a lot of what you say. And if Jack Cohn is the quarterback going in for Notre Dame this year, I expect Notre Dame to run the ball a lot. And I do think he'll be more than worth his value at that point. Again, that's why I still have him in my top seven. A couple of things that worry me that kind of make him a little bit lower than what you have for me. 
One is another running back on the team. He's a five-star named Chris Tyree, who got a lot of production last year, and I was really scared. I, was, I owned a share of Kyron Williams last year, and I was really scared at one point that Chris Tyree was going to slowly but surely kind of siphon away his production as the year went on. And so I still have that worry just a little bit because, again, Tyree definitely has the pedigree behind him to where he could out-talent Kyron Williams going into the future. And then the other thing is, again, if Jack Cohn is a QB, I'm all in on Kyron Williams. My problem is if Tyler Buckner is the QB, I see some more problems kind of arising because Tyler Buckner is a much more of a dual-threat QB for... Notre Dame to have, and thus he could be siphoning off those goal line carries rather than handing them off to Kyron Williams. So those are my only kind of worries. Again, a lot of speculation and everything. That's why I only have him knocked two spots lower than you. But those are kind of my thoughts. I like Kyron Williams a lot. I think he's going to be fantastic this upcoming year. So we'll go ahead and move on to my number five guy. And is... Uh-oh. I made a mistake on here somewhere. Oh, no, no, no. I got it now. All right. So, my number five guy, and Xavier, I thought you were pretty high on this guy. And then I did my rank, and it turns out I'm, like, I'm even higher than you are, turns out. But that's Isaiah Spiller oh. out of Texas A&M. Sorry, man. Oh. I, 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 I know you're very high on him, so I'll go ahead and read I, off oh. his stats. Oh, please so, do. Isaiah Spiller had 188 rushing attempts last year for 1,036 yards and nine touchdowns. He had 20 receptions for 193 yards and zero touchdowns. I love Isaiah Spiller, dude. It took him a few games to really kind of get going last year, but man, when he, I, I think it was the Florida game that he really started to take off, and from there, he just didn't look back. Um, a lot of people were kind of concerned about his carries kind of being split with Nia Smith and himself, and now that's going to repeat this year because it's going to be him and Devin A-Chain, but from everything I've seen, there's no reason why Isaiah Spiller can't be that number one back still, and he's getting... Not first round buzz for the NFL draft, but he's being considered the RB1 possibly for this upcoming year along with Brees Hall. So he clearly has a talent pedigree to do it to do it again this year. And I am not inspired so far by Haynes King. I don't think this is going to be a very pass-happy offense that they're going to be running with. So I think they're going to be relying heavily on Isaiah Spiller and the running game that they have. And I think he's going to probably get even more carries this year than he's gotten in the past years. He got 188 carries last year. I wouldn't be surprised if he broke 200 this upcoming year, especially if they're going to take on Smith and put him more into a receiving uh, role than a typical RB role. So I like Isaiah Spiller a lot. Xavier, I'll let you say your piece because you're high on him as well. I'll give a small antidote. I know we're pressed on time, but I remember in our little, uh, we have a personal four-man draft heart, just a, a really close friend group. Yes. And I remember and I remember in our draft, uh, I noticed I was like I, I was doing I thought I was doing well and I looked at my our, our running back room situation and I was like, oh my gosh, somebody's gotten Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Chuba Hubbard at the time, which was number one consistence was gone. And I was looking at my room and I was like, Oh god, I need to get a number one guy fast. And I was not inspired by my Isaiah Spiller pick in the beginning. I was like, I mean, I understand this. I think, believe this is the sophomore season that, or that he was coming off of, and now he's going into his junior season. So I was like, ah, I don't feel really inspired by Texas A&M at the time. I knew they were going to be kind of good. I didn't expect them to be this good. And I was like, man, what am I going to do? And then and so, like, it was a few weeks in. I was like, he's doing all right. 88, uh, maybe like some 88-yard games and stuff like that, getting a few touchdowns, but nothing like 
to the level of Travis Etienne and Najee Harris. And then after that Florida game, I was a Isaiah Spiller faithful. I never had a doubt in him ever again. He had me that one scare where he got injured in the game and was gone for like a, maybe a week or two, and A-Chain came out, and I started A-Chain, got on my radar a little bit too. So that's why I am kind of concerned about this season, about like A-Chain is too much of a talent to keep off the field, a track star at Texas A&M as well too. So I think it's like I, I still think Jimbo is going to give the uh, consensus to Isaiah Spiller in terms of you earn this role, you'll still get the majority of the carries. But I think, you know, if A-Chain was not there, Isaiah Spiller would definitely be probably in my top four. Yeah, I would agree. If A-Chain wasn't there, I, Isaiah Spiller would probably be a top three back for me this year. Yeah. Yeah, like so, you said, he's not inspiring, so I expect him to run the ball a lot. Yeah, I would definitely agree. So we'll go ahead and move on to your number seven running back here, and that is Kevin Marks Jr. out of Buffalo. I have Kevin Marks down at number eight. So I'll let you say your piece on Kevin Marks. Yeah, uh, he is... How do I put this? Uh, he has big shoes to fill. You have a once in a, I think this is probably Buffalo's best player since uh, on offense. I don't even know if they have anybody offensively relevant in a while, but I know there's a few great defensive players to come out of Buffalo. I believe Khalil Mack came out of Buffalo at one point. But um, yeah, Jared Patterson was a once in a generational type college football player. And to fill that role and the amount of like carries that have vacated, Kevin Marks has big shoes to fill, but when he did get on the field, he showed a lot of promise. I'll just read off his stats. He had 112 attempts for 741 yards, had seven touchdowns, and for a guy to be in the top 10 and to have those type of stats, you may be wondering, like, yeah, I mean, it's good, but is it really top 10 good? Considering what Jared Patterson had, I'll just look up what he had. I know it was insane. And it, uh, he had 144 attempts, if I remember correctly, but he had 19 touchdowns. Like Kevin Marks was not far behind Jared Patterson. And so now Kevin Marks takes over as his full number one back. Yeah. So with him having that starting role, I expect probably the attempts to be even higher than Jared Patterson because I, I don't think Buffalo has a number a number two back like a, like you know Kevin Marks is, was to Jared Patterson. So I'm expecting mm-hmm. a lot of their offense to be predicated off of him, and that's why I have him so high. Yeah, no, I agree with a lot of what you said. Again, the, the main things, like Kevin Marks, honestly, would be a top five back for me. It's the main thing right now is the coaching change that was just done with their coach uh, being hired away to Kansas, which I'm very excited to see how that develops. But I just want to – I need to wait just a little bit to see how this new coaching staff – handles the change are they still going to be like the buffalo the p- previous years where they're handing the ball off to a guy 20 30 times a game and you're going to see a ton of production or do they kind of try to go a different direction we'll see i still have faith that they're going to keep him as a top running back for this upcoming year so that's again why i still have him in my top 10 yeah also so, it's the mac, oh, so, uh, yeah I, I, and it's a mac and if i remember correctly buffalo doesn't have a super hard power five team that they play this upcoming year. You might want to fact check me on that. Yeah, I don't think so either. But um, so, yeah, with but, it being Mac, so yes, yeah, Mac, Mac players are always a good bet. Absolutely. Uh, as as I'll talk about here in a minute. But first, we're going to go to my number six guy, 
and that is Ronnie Rivers running back out of Fresno State. Now, Ronnie Rivers has been at Fresno State for several years, and this past year, to me, kind of showed the culmination of all the time he's been waiting, all the time he's kind of been building up his reputation these past couple of years. In six games last year, he had 100 attempts for 507 yards and seven touchdowns. So if you expand that to a full season, you're looking at about a 1,000-yard rusher, 14 touchdowns through the year. So very good, but here's the thing. Like Kyron Williams, here's where his ability comes in, and that is his receiving work. In six games, he had 27 receptions for 265 yards and two touchdowns. So if you expand that out throughout the whole season, that's 54 receptions throughout for a full 12 a or excuse me for a full 12 game season. That's an that's insane for a guy uh, for just a running back. And if you in are in a PPR league, Isaiah or Ronnie Rivers should honestly be even higher than I have him here at number six. He'll probably be, um, he might be one of the best backs in the game outside of uh, maybe Bijan or uh, yeah, honestly PPR wise, Bijan probably be number one, and the number two would be. Ronnie Rivers. Um, yeah, I love Ronnie Rivers, what he did for me last year. I picked him up late in one of the leagues that we actually had, Mountain West teams, and he helped save my butt in several games, kind of going late into the season. So, yeah, I like Ronnie Rivers a lot. He's number, he's my number six. Xavier, what are your thoughts? Uh, I like Ronnie Rivers as well. Um, he's probably not that high. I um, You have a number 11. My bad. I forgot to mention that. Yeah, I have him at number 11. I think there's some other guys that I, I value a little bit higher. I do like his receiving work. Uh, I think who I have above him, one is one of them is a really good pure rusher, and the other one is another guy that's similar to Ronnie Rivers as well. But I just maybe have him a little bit uh, – just a little bit higher, give him a slight nod. But Ronnie Rivers is by far um, – by no means a bad running back in terms of if you get him in the top 10. So if he falls to you, yeah, absolutely take him if you're in a PPR league. I think – with a full season, he definitely would be a lot higher for me. I just have to see some, you know, it's COVID season was a little bit hard and challenging because you're at this point, you're just extrapolating like, yeah, he could have gotten 54 receptions, but things happen during the season. So you never right. know. Alrighty. So we'll go ahead and move on from Ronnie Rivers there. We'll go to your number nine back here, Xavier. Uh, and you have somebody here who's outside of my top 12, but I understand why you have him here. And that's Kevin Harris running back out of South Carolina. So Xavier, what do you, what say your piece here? Yeah, I, I, I will. I'm calling out the fantasy community. I, I am a little, a little bit disappointed at what, where Kevin Harris is being rated and the disrespect that's being thrown his way of not being a top back. I, I South Carolina, like there's not really much going on with their quarterback situation and they just fired their head coach and, um, uh, Will Muschamp, and now I believe uh, is Mike Bobo the head coach now? Or no, it- no, it's uh, Shane Beamer. Shane Beamer. Mike, okay. B- Mike Bobo actually moved on to Auburn. Nice. So, yeah, with Kevin Harris, what he did last season, he is that entire offense. It's just like the man was getting like almost twenty, uh, just twenty uh, attempts a game, and was rushing at a really high level. Now, against some stronger competition, yeah, it was a little bit challenging for him. But he gets touchdowns, like a lot of touchdowns, especially if you look at the Ole Miss game where he got five touchdowns in a game. And his receiving work is not bad either. Like the same time he had about, let's see, he had, he had 21 a, receptions for 159 yards and one touchdown. Yeah. So 
I, I respect his receiving work. I expect his uh, production to go up, considering that South, a lot of people are moving on from South Carolina or not being recruited into South Carolina at uh, at what they thought at the time because coaching change. What Muschamp left, and a lot of the guys that were recruited were because of Mullen Muschamp, and now you have to get used to the new coaching regime, and maybe they're not recruiting the players that they want, so they have to use what they have. And Kevin Harris is a great thing to have in your room. So I, I love Kevin Harris a lot. I expect his, uh, his production to go up. I, I think he's one of the best backs in college football in terms of being a pure rusher and also showing a little bit of his receipt. I'm glad that he got to show a little, uh, off his, a little bit of a, himself as a receiving back his last few games. So I'm really high on Kevin Harris. I like him a lot. He's a touchdown machine. So Xavier, I'm going to play the part of the fantasy community here. I do have him ranked at 13. I do think Kevin Harris is very talented and everything, but I'm going to play the part of the fantasy community here, and I'm going to name you two names here, mm-hmm. and that is Marshawn Lloyd mm-hmm. and Zaquavius White. Yeah, you got two good running backs coming up this year. One coming off injury, one of them that's probably has more talent pedigree than. Uh, Kevin Harris kind of coming in and starting to take some of those uh, carries away from Kevin Harris. Are you worried about that at all? Or Honestly, I'm not. If, if it was more of like a season where Kevin Harris showed flashes of what he could be, but Kevin Harris had over a thousand yards, had uh, whew, how many, 15 touchdowns. I think it's just the amount of, it's just, if South Carolina was smart, and I think a lot of coaches do this to where, if a guy has produced at a high level, it's going to take a lot for that next guy up to really take his job or to interfere with what he does. Because I think it's just by that, not not even by committee, it's just more of like the respect and what he's uh, Kevin Harris has earned for South Carolina to where the fans, the players, the coaches all know that Kevin Harris is the guy on campus and he deserves the respect of being that guy on campus. And I think he is the guy within that locker room that Kevin Harris is one of the leaders on that team. The, probably the best back until proven otherwise because at what he's doing you know you can't just overlook like yeah you had a thousand yard season and had 15 touchdowns but hey this guy maybe had more talent than you coming out of high school like that doesn't matter once you get to college all that high school stuff goes out of nowhere because you can be humbled by especially in the sec you will be humbled by sec defensive front I think that's all entirely fair. I, I, I definitely respect where your opinion's at, and I, I somewhat agree with you. Again, I have him at 13, so clearly I'm very high on Kevin Harris as well, but I also understand people's reservations behind it. Yeah. So we'll go ahead and move on to my number nine guy here, after your number nine, and womp womp, <laughs> all aboard the tugboat, my guy. This is, this is like the biggest my guy of the season for me. I love Demontre Tuggle. I loved watching his film. I think I don't think he's going to be like a a uh, NFL running back or anything like that. But just the amount of work that he was getting last year in a three game again, it's a three game sample size. I know that some people will, will point that out and be like, "Oh, you can't trust that on three game sample size." The lowest this man got was eighty yards and one touchdown in a game. So clearly, he is going to get the amount of carries that you're going to need at least every single week for you to be at least happy with him and be like, "Okay, you get." almost 100 yards and a touchdown but everything else he was averaging three touchdowns a game he was averaging 134 yards per game in those three games like yeah he's probably not going to be able to keep that up in a 12 game season but the thing is even if that drops just a little bit dude's still going to be a fantastic running back for you this upcoming year and his schedule is soft the only game i'm remotely concerned about is i think week two at northwestern 
Other than that, he plays mostly group of five and MAC competition. Like, he's going to be able to get a ton of carries every single week, and I think he's going to absolutely be a fantasy running back for this upcoming year. I've, I feel like I've said my piece on Demontre Tucker before, so I'm just going to go ahead and move on. Saver, what else you got? Uh, nothing really. I, 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 I love the tugboat. I, I, I want to be a part of the fan base, but yeah, three-game sample size, it's, it's not enough to sell me to get in the top 12. I, I like what I see. You know, if this was a um, – if he comes back next season and has the production that you're expecting him to have, then definitely he will be in that top 12, you know, for sure. But I have to see it over a, a course of a full season. If it was maybe like a, a Muhammad Ibrahim situation where I saw at least like seven games, then he would have probably crept in that top 12 easily. But three games is just not enough. Uh, it's, it's Yeah, it's just not enough to sell me just yet. Uh, again, that's fair. But to me – he is such a great pers- person for me to grab as an RB2 in leagues. Because I can grab one of these other top 12 guys and then immediately like wait one or two rounds. Because nobody else is taking Demontre Tuggle as high as I usually do. Yeah. And so I grab him as my second running back. So even if I'm wrong and I'm just like, my emotions are clouding everything that I'm trying to do here. Like, I can easily just say like, oh, well, he- Tug- Tugboat didn't work out, but at least I have this other guy. Yeah. So... But even still, I love Demontre Tuggle. I think he will be a top 12 running back by the end of the year. So we'll go ahead and move on to your number 10 guy. Another guy that I have outside the top 10, and that is Austin Jones out of Stanford. So Xavier, what are you, what has you so sold on Austin Jones? Yeah, uh, Austin Jones, another great back. Uh, Stanford, I'm just not inspired. I've never inspired by Stanford's offense, but I, I like uh, his dual ability to uh, be a great rusher. He gets a lot of attempts at rushing and also be a great receiver as well, too. So, I mean, this past season, he had 126 attempts, 550 yards and nine touchdowns. You know, his average per rush was like 4.4, which at first wasn't inspiring. But then when I saw what he was receiving at, where he got like uh, this past season, he had 21 receptions. For 156 yards but averaging like 7.4 yards per catch i was like okay now i'm seeing the hype in this guy so i was like i like i like that dual ability like that versatility i, I really like it's like those uh it's just choosing between all right do i really want this really good pure rusher or do i want this guy that can like do a little bit of both so i think it depends a, on what kind of league you're in that where you make that decision at oh yeah if you're in a ppr league then yeah austin jones is really really ronnie rivers and austin jones are probably those high guys that i like but even even then, um, you know, I think with the Pac-12 not having a full season, five for him to have 550 yards um, for playing only like what was it, maybe like six games? Six games. Yeah. So yeah, I, I expect him maybe to get close to a thousand, maybe even to break a thousand next year, and still have a lot of receiving work as well too. So that's why I have him in my, at my 10 position. Yeah, and again, if you stretch that, get, stretch that out, he had nine touchdowns, six games. That's 18 touchdowns for a full 12 game. So you're looking at a guy who can easily just provide you fantasy relevance just based on his touchdowns alone. But again, I, I, I suggest caution on anybody whose production heavily comes from their touchdown game. So that's why I have Austin Jones outside my top 12. If I remember correctly, I have Austin Jones at 14. So I'm, he's outside my top 12, but he's still very high for me. So we'll go ahead and move on to my number 11 guy here. And that's a Letty Brown running back out of Western or West, West Virginia. Jared, speak English, please. You're a podcaster. All right. So 
Once again, Letty Brown is another one of these guys to me that is volume, volume, volume. He had 199 attempts last year, and I believe he's gonna he's gonna see that role increase this year. The passing game for West Virginia is leaves much to be desired. He had about a thousand yards, nine touchdowns this past year. He also received 31 receptions for 202 yards and two touchdowns. So again, mostly mostly with Letty Brown, I don't think he's the most talented back in the world, but again, that volume is just speaking volumes to me i i realized what i was saying halfway through it <laughs> the, the volume is speaking volumes to me but that's the main thing we hear i think letty brown if you want just a safe running back one who is going to get you yards and get you attempts every single game who gives you a high floor and then you can use your later two running back picks in order to get some higher upside guys i think letty brown's a perfect place to start and then you can just go from there so, Xavier, what, any thoughts on Letty Brown? Yeah, I, I'll speak on, like, I'm just not that inspired. But, like, he's not the greatest, like, talent in the world. I, I don't like West Virginia's receiving room or their quarterback at all. So, I was just like, yeah, Letty Brown is a good running back, too. But I think there's just – there's there's another guy, uh, there, there as you can see, by my 11, and then you won't see – he's not in my top 12, that I feel like there's other guys available that you can get and that can do a little bit more than Letty Brown. And I'm really excited to show my number 12 guy when we move on to that. But yeah, yeah that's all. we'll go ahead and move on to both of our number 12 guys. Again, we have differing number 12 guys here, and we'll go ahead and say each of our pieces on it. So I'll let you go first. You got Jarek Broussard running back oh. out of Colorado as your number 12. I have Chris Rodriguez running back out of Kentucky as my number 12. So I'll let you say your piece on Jarek Broussard, then I'll say my piece on Chris Rodriguez, and then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, for... <laughs> If you want to talk about a guy that this past season did not, he only had two games where he didn't get a hundred yards and only played about six, seven games, six games. Jared Broussard is a yards monster. The the man just gets a hundred yard games. Now it is one of those situations to where there were a lot, there was a string of games where he didn't get like maybe a string of four games where he didn't get touchdowns, which was a little bit concerning, but he still got over a hundred yards especially if I look at his Arizona game, we had 25 attempts for 301 yards. It's just amazing to me. And I, I point I, out, I, he, he averaged 149 yards per game. Yeah, that's just ridiculous. And Colorado, uh, it's, it's just not, you know, their receivers in the past, they had some inspiring receivers. Now going in the future, I think it's just Jared Broussard and company. So, I like his upside with a full season. I think, you know, his touchdowns will go up and I, I love it, but I also love your pick as well too, considering the news that came out, but I'll let you speak more about Chris Rodriguez. Yeah. Chris Rodriguez is not a guy who is going in the top 12 running backs, according to ADP. In fact, if I'm looking at ADP here, he is actually the RB 25. Now that's rising. That's rising in recent drafts and everything, but the news came out from the coaching staff of Kentucky. I believe Mark Stoops. Am I correct on that? Mark Stoops? Mike Stoops? Mark Stoops, yeah. Mark Stoops. Um, mentioned the fact that he's ready to give the ball to Chris Rodriguez 20 to 25 times a game. And that to me, again, I'm a big volume guy when it comes to these running backs and everything. Chris Rodriguez, not a big receiving back. He had one reception last year for 12 yards. At all. Like, pure rusher. But still, 20, 25 yards, or 25 carries per game to me is more than a safe enough floor for him to be your running back one and again just like lady brown he will be that guy who um he'll be that guy to just anchor your team with the amount of yards that he's getting per game he may not get touchdowns every single time he got 11 touchdowns this past year but again 
I have to imagine with the volumes, the chances of him scoring a touchdown in each of those games is going to go up. And thus, he will be a top 12 running back, I believe, by the end of the year. I love Chris Rodriguez. I love watching him. I think he's pretty electric. So, yeah, top 12 running back for me, Chris Rodriguez. Yeah. All right. So to kind of wrap up here, I'm just going to go through uh, each of our top 12 QBs and each of our top 12 running backs just to kind of summarize everything. So my top 12 QBs are Malik Willis, Spencer Rattler, Matt Corral, Dustin Crum, DJ Uyangalele, Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter, Bryce Young, Dylan Gabriel, Brennan Armstrong, Carson Strong, and Derek King. Xavier's top 12 QBs are Malik Willis, Spencer Rattler, Matt Corral, Dustin Crum, DJ Uyangalele, Dylan Gabriel, CJ Stroud, Sam Howell, Bryce Young, Desmond Ritter, Carson Strong, Grayson McCall. My top 12 running backs are Brees Hall, Muhammad Ibrahim, Bijan Robinson, Sincere McCormick, Isaiah Spiller, Ronnie Rivers, Kyron Williams, Kevin Marks Jr., Demontre Tuggle, Tank Bigsby, Letty Brown, Chris Rodriguez. Xavier's top 12 running backs are B. John Robinson, Brees Hall, Mohamed Ibrahim, Tank Bigsby, Kyron Williams, Isaiah Spiller, Kevin Marks, Sincere McCormick, Kevin Harris, Austin Jones, Ronnie Rivers, and finally, Jarek Broussard. Thank you guys so much for listening. We are almost at the two-hour mark, so we are going to cut it off here. And hopefully in the next episode, we can speed things up just a little bit more with wide receivers and tight ends. That's what we'll be talking about next time. We're also going to talk about the recent mock draft that both of us were in. We're going to talk about some things we learned from that draft, some things that maybe surprised us. And so, yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening to Chasing the Natty again. Please remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Spotify. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Apple Podcasts. Don't forget the ADP sheet for for CFF 2021 is now on sale for $30. And if you want that 50% discount, please follow the instructions that I listed earlier in the podcast. Again, thank you guys so much. Xavier, do you have anything else you want to say before we head out? No, that's it. Thanks for all all for y'all support and thanks for listening to us. I know we ran long today, but a lot of good content today. So don't forget to watch out for that next episode that we're probably going to work on really, really soon. Again, thank you guys so much and go chase those natties. I am not saying that again. That was awful. <laughs>